Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And welcome back to the House of Pod. I'm Kaveh. I'm Lizzie. Um, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm um, using this new microphone that my boyfriend Tyler got me for Christmas, oh, and it's amazing. Off. I know you have it's a boyfriend off. and a new microphone. Uh, to, and this this microphone doesn't vibrate, but. Um, <laughs> I can. I found out I can like do volume up and down for for you in my ear. <laughs> so it's a great present. So when wow. you do, welcome back to the house of pod, and you're, you know, ah, I can just like mute you. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're gonna misuse this tool. I, I know. know I know. I found this weapon, and I'm going to take advantage. Um. Anyways, we're a, a medical type podcast for medical type people and non medical type people because we discuss a lot of different stuff. Some of it medical, some of it not. <sighs> that was pretty good. God, I hate the intros. Um, <laughs> how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. That reminded me of that um commercial when we were kids with the guy with the mustache. We talked about the microchips. I don't know what was that micro machines. Micro machines. That guy was great. We should yeah. have him on. I bet he's dead, but um, oh, if he's alive, we should totally try it. Um, How are you doing? Will you update our listeners on your COVID situation? We're good. We are good. Um, everything here in our household has been good. Um, no one else tested positive. Uh, in fact, I tested myself twice because uh, it was sort of a, a, the window period. Um, so I wanted to make sure everything was cool before I went back to work. Everything was good. Um, I am... Uh, really grateful that things worked the way they did and i'm really grateful for how many people reached out um to be supportive how many of the listeners did that's really very cool of you guys i really appreciate it um and yeah we're sort of back to norm now i'm on call and sort of yeah. doing the work you're on call too huh yeah we're both on call so oh God, we're not this drinking like most, this is the most sober we've ever been for an episode <laughs> is that unprofessional <laughs> Because I don't normally drink when I'm doing, you know, quote, unquote, work. So well, it's not really work. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, it's our last episode of 2020. Woo-woo. Um, 
and neither of us really believes things are going to change dramatically when like you know the year changes a number it's a sort yeah. of a superficial thing but it is it's going to feel nice to turn a corner i feel like january could be at least i don't want to jinx it but january does have the potential to yeah. be a little bit more one, right. well, i'll take it back no once we get past this christmas surge that's coming right i think um I like to think that we are going to start to turn a corner on this COVID situation. That's so, Trump said I, that like a million times. We're going to turn the corner. We're going to turn. The, he's been saying that, you know, since March when yeah. we first heard about it. But it is true. I mean, um, more than any other New Year's Eve, you know, you're waiting, you're holding your breath, you know, like yeah. Y2K, everybody had that thing. Were you really I worried think, about that? Looking back at Y2K, did you, that worry you at all? I know because I, I don't know enough or and I didn't know enough about computers and programming to understand, um, you know, I and I wasn't as in tune with like current events. Like I just I think weren't we I was in college and I definitely didn't care, didn't care. You, you know, I, I didn't care. And part of me was kind of like because this was before I had kids and I didn't care. I was like, you know what? If I can bring on the apocalypse. That'll be fun. I'm yeah. really curious to see if I could make it in a Mad Max sort of like world. Let's let's see what I can what I can do. Now, of course, I have a totally different outlook on that sort of thing. But at the time, I was totally chill with it. I mean, not that I thought it was going to happen. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. But I feel like this year in particular, there's been so much holding your breath. So yeah. much with um, COVID, obviously, is an understatement. With George Floyd, with protests, you know, with the election, with like all this white nationalism. And we'll talk about more later on the episode. But it's just... Um, I think this has been such a stressful time, not even thinking about all the deaths and unemployment and poverty. That's just, you know, going to get worse probably um, before yeah. it gets better. It's, it's been the craziest year. And, um, and I think people really will be looking forward to at least saying goodbye to 2020 and a lot of those things. But we all know that when the clock strikes midnight tomorrow or <laughs> when the clock strikes midnight on December 31st, that nothing actually will change. I mean, it is an artificial, weird, totally arbitrary thing that we celebrated at all. But I do think we all know it won't feel normal, I assume, till the summer, really. Summer 2021, I think, is when we're start starting to feel normal. Right. When the average civilian who's not a healthcare worker, who's not a frontline worker, who's not a cashier in a grocery store, yeah. they're going to start getting their vaccines or finishing their vaccines, I hope. Yeah. No, you're totally right. And I know, I know the the easy response for me would be just to say, look, everything is just going to be just as bad as as normal next year. Nothing's going to change. But I'm choosing to be optimistic. I haven't chosen to be optimistic in a long time. I am choosing now to be optimistic. Well, talking about the new year, what are your? If you think back, it could be you know related to the show or not. What do you have? Highs that are high. Or I guess instead of highs and lows, we should talk about lows and lowers you know, so for lows. this year. That's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how people are going to remember yeah. 2020. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, the lows were definitely the very first uh, times that my wife had to go in to work to deal with COVID patients when we didn't know that much about it. And um, she was starting to see a lot. And that was really scary you know, that, that, that concerned me. That was a low for sure. Um, the whole scare was a bit of a low, um, when, you know, I thought, Oh boy, here it comes. Now the whole family's going to get it. Let's see what happens. That, that was a low as well. Um, 
the overall lowest part, which is sort of like the chronic low of the year, is just how frustratingly stupid it's been trying to convince people that it's a real thing (laughs) <laughs> having people accuse us of being like pharmacy shills and then accuse us of being like uh, agents of some sort of secret government change right. that's trying to make money off of COVID, which I still don't understand the rationale behind, but there's, there was a lot of that, that yeah. underlying just stupid toxicity that's just seeped through our country and, and has always been there, I'm sure, but now it's just so painfully obvious. That is the lowest part. I mean, yeah. It, it was a, of, of the last four years, it has been hard to be proud of being American. This last year in particular, there were some low moments uh, in it, but some high moments too, because, you know, for me, the higher moments were like seeing how awesome people in the medical community have been, all the yeah. healthcare workers, you know, doctors, nurses, everyone on the floors, the techs, the people cleaning, how brave everyone's been. I'm just so impressed. Yeah. So, it's been so impressive. Like, yeah. I had I saw a COVID patient today and I went in to see the COVID patient. I still, whenever that happens, I'm still nervous. Um, but there are nurses there that do it every day, all day. And they were just so like, they inspired me. I'm like, all right, you know, they're, they're doing it. I can do it. You know, I got to remember. And so I just yeah. had to do it. So yeah. like, it's, you know, it, it's inspiring. Really. It's been, yeah. that, that part of that has been really cool. And also the people who aren't in healthcare, but have been really supportive and have been like, Hey, I'm sorry that half of our country seems like idiots right now. Right. We really do support you. So sorry. And there's been a lot of people that have done that. And that's, that's actually really cool too. Yeah. Well, on my list of, um, I will say highs and lows, even though, again, I think we can agree it's sort of lows and lowers. You know, yeah. there have been some good times. Um, I think Zoom meetings go in like both categories. Like mm-hmm. when we first started doing our podcast on Zoom, I'm like, this is amazing. And honestly, I think we'll just continue doing this no matter what, because it's yeah. just so easy. I can like, I don't have to put on clothes and you don't have to put on clothes or whatever. We do it naked all the time, everyone. Totally. Um, all of our guests can attest to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think at work, like people started going crazy once we realized we can do virtual meetings. They're just like, let's do meetings at 1230 every single day. Oh, wait, you have three other meetings at 1230 on this day. Like mm-hmm. everyone just got so over enthusiastic about it at work that I felt actually spread really thin. Even if work wasn't that busy at some yeah. point, all the meetings became crazy. Um, other, other terrible things like all the stress about PPE I think has been a terrible stressor that shouldn't yeah. be like, we should worry about caring for patients and COVID. We shouldn't worry about PPE. And that to me is just one of the lowest parts and feeling support from your community, your government, your hospital system. And, you know, our hospital system, mine, I think everyone tried their damnedest and I can't blame any local person. I just, it's it's so demoralizing because when you feel supported, it's not just I'm here for you. It's actually PPE and staff and people, right. Right. you know. So that that was a big bummer. And and I've had family members with COVID. And when I volunteered in New York, I found out like a friend who dropped me off at my hotel got COVID like as soon as I got back. Those were like terrifying moments yeah. for me. Um, and I think also just feeling helpless and um, back in March and April, like when we were kind of home doing nothing, yeah. I was like, how can we help, you know, or like doctors. And I felt like sort of useless. Anyway, some great moments of the year. I've read some amazing books. And I think, uh, I think the activism, like in our community, doctors and our listeners and my friends and family, just like the activism that I've felt palpably yeah, right. and that I've wanted to be a part of. And, and of course, subsequently the election, but like the BLM movement, 
you know, even fraught with controversy and defund the police. It's just been so invigorating. I think it's like really inspiring to see that from young people, peers, old people, everyone. It's awesome. You know, it's, it, I totally agree. The one thing that I think that came out 2020 that I really appreciate is that um, doctors from all over now, even those who weren't that outspoken, even those that weren't like interested in saying things that were considered political or questionable or anything like that, every doctor I know seems to have less patience and tolerance for pseudoscience bullshit. Yeah. For for garbage medicine, for people trying to grift the world of medicine. I mean, remember how we used to all look at Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz like five years ago? We didn't care about them. Like whatever. Like yeah. we didn't like them, but we were like, we didn't think anything bad about them. Now, you know, we see there's like a danger to that kind right. of dumb pseudoscience. And it can yeah. lead to people not understanding real science. And that's a real danger. So I think I think a lot more doctors than ever know that. And some doctors always have, you know, yeah. speaking of Jen Gunder, she's been railing against stuff like goop and pseudoscience forever, but not every doctor has been like that. We usually let our official representatives like Jen Gunter do that. Nowadays, I feel like more There's doctors There's an awakening, ever, yeah. An awakening, realize. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, well, all right, man. Any uh, resolutions for 2021? 20, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to go see my family a little bit more in New York. I haven't been able to this year. Um, that's just like a guilt trip and an actual physical trip that I have to take several times <laughs> every year. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about you? I haven't really thought about the resolution thing. I'm just going to continue being the same badass motherfucker I've always been. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. There yeah, you go. <laughs> and maybe, maybe get on the Peloton a little bit more. Anyways. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. So stay tuned. We have a great guest coming up, Dr. Taylor Nichols. He's an emergency room physician in Northern California. He has a really interesting story um, that uh, I think uh, resonates now more than ever. And I'm really looking forward to having a chat with him. Thank you again to Nadim for uh, coming uh, and helping us with all the production, getting uh, the show off the ground and getting episodes um, to the interwebs. Thank you to Lizzie. Thank you to all our listeners. Thank you to everyone who offers up questions for our uh, guests. We really appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter at The House of Pod. Stay tuned. back with Dr. Taylor Nichols. He is an emergency room physician in Northern California. He completed a fellowship in emergency medicine, health policy, and advocacy at UC Davis. I'm a big fan of him and his tweets and his work in UC Davis. It's nice to have you here, my friend. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a fan of yours. Oh, you're sweet. He means <laughs> me, not Lizzie, or the both of us. He means I'm me. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Okay, so there's a lot to talk to you about, but you know the, the first the first thing, and this is not what I want the focus of this uh, interview to be about, but I think we do have to discuss it. You had a tweet, a, a tweet thread, a series of tweets um, about a situation that you encountered at work, one that I found resonated with me, and I'm sure many many other people who work in medicine, and it went uh, pretty crazy viral. Um, you end up writing an editorial, I think, for the Washington Post. You um, were interviewed on countless 
media venues. Um, you got a lot of media attention from both very right-wing sources, um, and we'll talk about that, and also from your more traditional media sources as well. So why don't we first start by talking about that thread? Can you tell us about the story um, that you were describing in that one thread? Yeah, so um, I had a patient who came into the emergency department who was short of breath. He was on CPAP um, already, started by EMS. And um, as we got him over to the gurney in the ED, you know, we like with all of our patients, we sort of get them changed in the hospital gown. And I see his swastika tattoos and other Nazi um, tattoos and I'm Jewish and that, um, you know, every, every time you see something like that, it strikes you a little bit. Um, but I've gotten used to that. I've gotten accustomed to that feeling, um, the discomfort that comes from that. And Okave, you know, the area, um, you know, that it's not entirely rare in Sacramento and, um, and, I also worked in the Pacific Northwest for two years where there's a lot of white supremacy uh, up there as well. And so I had seen plenty of, of swastikas in the past, but this time just kind of, it, it just kind of struck me um, differently than it had before. And I paused and I realized that I, that I had hesitated a bit. Um, not that I was ever thinking about not taking care of him. That's not what we do in emergency medicine, but it just, it just made me think uh, a little bit more and made me hesitate more than just going in and, and doing our job like we normally do. Um, and I realized that was largely due to the stress that this pandemic has, you know, the effect that this pandemic has had on all of us. Um, you just feel like other people don't really care about each other. They don't really care about us and the fears that we have, the role that we're playing in being here to take care of them, regardless of whether they believe that COVID even exists or not, or whether they are taking appropriate, you know, precautions and listening to public health measures. And so I think that was why it really struck me differently than usual. And you know, I had that experience. I sat on it for, for a while. Um, and then I was just frustrated one night and I had that in my head and I just sort of started writing it out and I had no ex like expectations that anybody would really read it. Um, I figured maybe you would and, and some other folks in med Twitter and maybe some people would commiserate, um, and share their stories, share their stresses, um, but yeah, that, that sort of blew up a little bit. And, and I think that really speaks to how much stress people really are, are under how much they, they sort of heard that in, in yeah. the, in the yeah. thread, um, and how much people really understand what that feels like. Yeah. And, but what you're saying, you know, having seen countless or dozens, I don't know, of patients with these kind of very inflammatory tattoos, whether it's a swastika or, or something else, um, 
this time it meant more than like anti-Semitism or racism to you. Now it was like a broader reaching political, I don't give a fuck about you and I don't believe in COVID and it's a hoax and you're manipulating, you know, and I don't believe in medicine. You know, I don't believe in science. It's like, you know, you can't tell maybe right away that you're Jewish. I don't, I mean, I'm Jewish, but I don't know looking no. at you. I, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying that this is yeah. now, you know, it's not just your own self-consciousness. It's not you taking it personally. It's you, like you're questioning science. You're questioning, you're, you're a doctor. Like that's obvious that you're a doctor. It's questioning who you are, not, you know, beyond Jewish or not. Like, cause that might not be the most obvious thing. I mean, some people are really good totally. at guessing that and some people are not. No, I, I mean, I think there's nothing that particularly defines or is easily definable about about being Jewish or, and certainly not about me being Jewish. I don't have a distinctly Jewish last name, uh, but, and, and I don't, and, you know, I, I don't claim to, to know, and I wouldn't impart um, any particular views to this person. It's just the image that you're left with sure. um, in, in seeing that, you know, I don't, I don't know what this guy believed. I don't even know if those tattoos reflected how he felt at the time. I didn't have, time to ask him about that he was too you know critically ill and we ended up sort of moving quickly to intubate him uh, well well that did, actually did he have covid sorry did, did you say did he even have I, covid i you know i this was at a time when we didn't have rapid testing oh okay ever, um we didn't get the result back while he was still in the emergency department and i yeah. didn't have time to uh like keep his information to follow up on him so i don't actually know yeah. it's uh a couple of things you know obviously it's not the first time you've encountered this um you know if you work in sacramento i mean first of all we were talking off air about how much i like sacramento sacramento is an underrated city and i will fight people i will fight my fellow san francisco snobs on this nobody um, wants to fight you just see this is the I stress of the fight. time this is 2020 is i want to fight i will just, fight you anyways it's you know <laughs> anyways I, I love Sacramento. It's a super hip, super fun place. Very cool. But if you go about 20, 30 minutes outside of Sacramento, you start to get to some other places that aren't quite so hip or cool. And if you go another 20, 30 minutes outside of that, you get to some stranger places, like you're hitting central California places. And I remember when I was there, um, you would run across patients every now and then, and you'd be like, sir, where are you from? And they'd be like, Sacramento, and I'd be like, "No, I mean originally, sir. Where are you from? Sacramento, why?" And I'd be like, "Okay, you just sound like you're from the deep, deep south. That's all I'm asking." So you get to some parts of Sacramento where this is not shocking, and you will certainly run across this in any emergency room that deals with, you know, a wide variety of patients. So it's clearly not the first time you encounter this. I mean, how do you normally, in a non-COVID situation, in a non-COVID era, how do you normally handle this? And and what was different this time? So I've had a couple times, actually, some of my favorite encounters. Um, one, I distinctly recall when I was in the Pacific Northwest, when, uh, when I had a patient who had an SS bolt on his arm and um, he wasn't particularly sick and I had time. And, you know, so I asked him, I, I asked him what that was about and what it meant and, you know, knowing enough to know what it meant, but what it meant to him. Um, and I had a really good conversation with him about it. Um, 
and he talked about how, you know, he understood my perception of it as a Nazi tattoo and, and that, you know, at one point he believed things like that, but he doesn't now, et cetera. And I don't know if he was saying that to placate me or what, but um, that's sort of my favorite approach is just to like, if I have the time and they're not yes, super sick, yeah. is just to like put them on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of us who don't know, the SS is like the Nazi police who rounded up Jews in Nazi Germany and, and France and Poland and, you know, murdered millions of Jews. Anyway, ironically, and I guess this is a good kind of count, not counterpoint, the worst bias I've, I've ever had um, was from a Hasidic Jewish man <laughs> in New York because I trained in New York City where you don't feel the anti-Semitism as much because it's a very like, um, you know, Jewish neighborhood or there are parts, pockets of the city that are Jewish. So it's much more, I, I think, accepting of a Jewish culture. Um, but I was taking care of... Um, a pregnant woman, a woman who was on her, I think, seventh or eighth child, which is common among Hasidic Jews. And I went into the room to talk to the family and I went over and I introduced myself. And I think my instinct back then, which with COVID we no longer do, is to put out my hand to shake hello. And the Hasidic Jewish man essentially turned his back on me. And, and I realized, you know, and I felt really, because I'm a woman, the only because I'm a woman, and I felt really, really dismissed. And I was a med student then. But it, um, you know, I just felt it's totally appropriate if that's your culture. But he didn't say, I'm sorry, I can't shake your hand. You're yeah. a woman. You know, he just turned his back. It was, it was incredibly rude. He really didn't need to do it that way. But um, it's just kind of ironic that my most egregious bias to my face was from a Hasidic Jewish man. And that's just their culture. You know, you know what I, I find interesting about the um, these sort of weird interactions and dealing with these types of patients that come in with some sort of clear history of or active um, bigotry. You know, they'll come in with these tattoos, and I remember I was in uh, working in Stockton on a rotation, and there was a patient that had come in, and the family was clearly they were all like white power sort of, they had the, the tats and, and I'm not like an expert at picking out like tats, but swastika is pretty easy to like, you know, recognize. And the team taking care of them was, you know, me, an Iranian guy who I'm sure they thought was Jewish. And then like my attending who was a black woman and um, one of my, the, the residents that was there at the time who was an Asian woman. And this was a family that needed help and they at no point did they have any question about us taking care of them at no point they didn't say anything about it in my mind i always felt this because even they knew it was bullshit even they knew this whole white power thing was bullshit that there's no difference because they were just so happy that there was a doctor there to take care of them there's a team of doctors they didn't really care they they knew if they really believed that shit they would have said hey we don't want you guys taking care of us. We want someone else taking care of us. But I, I, I think in those moments, it showed me that people don't even believe that horse shit. When it really comes down to it, push comes to shove, they don't believe it themselves. Most of them. I have to say in, in, in the moment, in the interaction that I tweeted about, you know, th this guy probably wouldn't have cared who I was. Um, and I distinctly recalled him as he was getting more and more hypoxic, just saying like, don't let me die, doc. Just, just don't let me die. 
because uh, I was uh, trying to ask him if he would want to be intubated and obviously respect his wishes, like if he was DNR, DNI or whatever. Um, and, you know, he, he basically said, like, if that's what it's going to take for me yeah. to survive, do it. And so, of course, we did. Um, and that's one of the things I love about being in emergency medicine is like, we'll take care of anyone. Uh, that's sort of our mantra. That's anyone, very cool. anything, any time, you know. And it's, um, it's very kind of you also when you have time to ask someone's story because, you know, if I've learned anything from the TV show Oz is that there are circumstances like in prison where you have to choose sides. And if you don't get a swastika tattoo, then you are not part of a group and you could get killed. Like, I'm sure that's a very rare circumstance, but yeah. I think that belonging to a group is a really important part of human nature to feel like we belong. Um, and I think that's why COVID has been so hard because of the isolation and the inability to socialize and be part of our normal groups. And I, I can see in a, you know, in a time of desperation or loneliness that you could follow a bad path and, and just be so desperate that you would get a swastika. You know, there are circumstances that yeah. are not all terrible. So the fact that you take the time to ask these people is really very generous and kind. I, I think there's probably going to be people who are going to be listening to this and being like, oh, you naive fools, you trio of naive fools. There are evil. But honestly, I, I, I mean, I think, Lizzie, your point's really well made. Like, we have to be appreciative of whatever weird circumstances they came from. And again, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think this guy really believed it. For example, this guy that was asking you to help him, he, he wasn't like pulling down his face mask to be like, but real quick, are you circumcised? <laughs> like, he doesn't care. You know, he just wants to be taken care of, you know, right. that's, that's I don't, all yeah. that matters. I don't think we're naive. I think we all feel, want to feel venom towards these people. And we're just trying to talk ourselves out of that, right? That's what we're trying to do. Can <laughs> Dr. Nichols, can you tell me your name is like, the whitest, waspiest name of all time. I am like an expert on Jewish names, having lived in New York City for 11 years and being from Long Island. Like, what? Taylor? Like, so, if yeah. I were going to name, I would name you Taylor like Nichols. You're Jew the shaming third. him right now, and that's not fair. <laughs> so, I've never heard of that, but it's, so my sorry. Mother, I apologize. My mother is Jewish, and her maiden name is very Jewish. Uh, my father is not uh, Jewish. And, um, and so I have his last name, which is obviously not Jewish, and nobody would be able to pick me out of a lineup as being Jewish, right. uh, particularly based on my last name. Um, my first name, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, don't think, I don't think there's any backstory to it, but, uh, I'm just, but it certainly so, isn't a Jewish name, that's for sure. See, so it's not Jew shaming, uh, Kaveh. I think what I heard from Dr. Nichols is that I'm right. No, no, so, I feel like you're you shaming and it's not <laughs> correct. Anyways, um, so let's let's shift a little bit. I want to talk about the responses that you got to this. Um, and it's a little surprising to me, the responses that you got. Um, a lot of them were good. A lot of them were really bad. I mean, you hit the front page of like the Drudge Report top line. You were on a lot of people's radars. And I have to say, you know, when we were first talking about you coming on the show, it was like, a week before you posted that thing, we were going to talk about something totally different. And then this thing happened that blew up and went crazy. And I was following along because the story, you know, it's something that I think a lot of people in healthcare can relate to. We've seen it. It's something that happens. But what really amazed me, and I'm wondering if you were surprised by it as well, is how many people doubted the story. Like 
it's insane to me. Like there was just so many people who were like, Hey, look, I'm not a racist. And this guy might be telling the truth, but it, I, and I couldn't believe it. Were you surprised? Yeah, there are a lot of, I mean, there were comments about like, well, this guy must have the same dude following him around everywhere or being treated, you know, treating the same one guy. Like there's only ever been one person with a swastika tattoo in the entire United States or something. Right, because you texted about it at some point before and some yeah. internet sleuth was like, look, man, this guy texted about a Nazi before and now he's texting about a Nazi again. It doesn't add up. Yeah, like, two Nazis, two different Nazis. I had, I had tweeted a total of three different instances, um, which are a minority of the experiences that I've had uh, in, you know, interacting with people with uh, offensive tattoos or who have said racist things or what have you. Um, one of them was an incident that I recall that really stuck with me as a med student. One of the first times. Um, I did compressions on uh, someone in the emergency department was literally like on top of a large swastika on this guy's chest. Um, and another time was like shortly after I had treated somebody up in the Pacific Northwest who had a swastika and an SS bolt who I had asked about his tattoos um, and still treated him all the same. And so this was the third God forbid, third time I had seen a different person in an entirely different state and in a different hospital. Um, it's, it's just so funny because what's the controversy? You're not even like accusing these tattoo bearers of having done something controversial. You're just, wh they what just group exist. of people would be defensive and want to attack you for that purpose? I don't believe you. All these tattoos... That is a lie, but like, it's just a ridiculous accusation. And in 2020, how can someone doubt the existence of neo-Nazis? It's insane. Has no one paid attention to the last four years of these chants of Jews will not replace us? Like, how is this shocking to anyone that you can encounter this? And, and, and even doctors have sort of thrown shade at, at this. And that, that makes me so angry because if you're a medical professional and you don't relate to the story. If you don't have your own story like this, that means you trained in a very privileged place and you've led a very privileged existence up to this point. Cause that's insane to me. That is At something minimum, that they don't work in emergency medicine. I'm not even an yeah. ER doctor. Yeah. And I have like my stories of like going down to an ER or being a med student or resident in the ER or something like that. It's insane to me. Yeah. How did you respond to that? So when people were attacking you and questioning you did you just um shut it down and and try to ignore it or did you do you respond to those tweets and those questions and in media right-wing media i assume it's right-wing but because of you know the past four years how do you respond to it i mostly just ignored them um i did find it kind of offensive when physicians were the ones at the root of spreading lies about how you know or or doubts um uh about this possibly being true um i found that i found that pretty absurd and yeah. a little bit offensive and i did um respond to that i suppose uh because it just because it's so remarkable i guess in a way uh yeah yeah those are doctors who who see patients with tattoos with, with a big and don't look at that and don't look at the tattoos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're oblivious, it, like deliberately. I, 
I, uh, you know, I was finding myself like following along online, just getting into fight after fight with these people. Just going like, how are you, how are you doubting this? And it was people who were like, look, I'm not a racist and I'm not cool with Nazis, but come on, is this guy really telling the truth? And I did, yes, 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 I'm sure of it. Like, I, this is not a, this is not even a, a thing to discuss. All right, let's switch gears to something uh, different here. We have some listener questions for you. Okay, you ready? Yeah. They're all from Z Dog. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay, uh, here's one from Artyom Koronevsky, Koronevsky at Science Farmer with a PH. Uh, simulation, specifically, what's the value of virtual simulation of running codes? So, in oh, terms of training for uh, <laughs> ER docs, um, is there any benefit to it? Can you get anything from it? Is it all, or it can only be basically firsthand knowledge after doing it? My knowledge on this is purely anecdotal, um, but I did train in two different places with uh, MedEd and Sim fellowships. Um, and I can certainly rely on my friends who have done those to be more expert than I in that area. But from personal experience, I would say that doing sim training, whether virtual, hands-on, or otherwise, uh, is incredibly helpful because when you're in a critical situation, uh, you should be at a point where you kind of can turn your brain off uh, and things become fairly uh, like muscle memory because you you know you never want um you never want to be uh basically caught up in your own panic um because that'll just destroy uh your focus and um your ability to run an effective code so i don't know for me um and i know my colleagues that i trained with i think we all felt that the simulations that we ran were helpful all right okay Here's, here's another one from attending AF at attending AF from one to another. How will he still do this? He's an ER doctor as well. I believe from one to another, how will we still do this when the after time comes? Do we just forgive half the country and move on? Like, oopsie, you pretending that nothing was happening and actively impeding the experts in a global pandemic. We cool now. So basically <laughs> I, the question is how do you forgive or can you forgive parts of this country, a big portion of this country that is, seems, to, seems to be actively thwarting you and putting you in harm's way. I like the Twitter name or handle. Attending um, it. You should follow yeah. him. He's good. Yeah. That's uh, a, an interesting question because it's similar to like, how do you take care of a patient with a Nazi swastika? But it's, yeah. uh, you know, maybe it's different because this is putting everyone in your emergency department's life at risk, not just, you know, honoring a tradition of killing millions of people. You know, it's a little different. <laughs> it's hard. Um, it's something I've thought a lot about, especially since I wrote that. And um, it's going to be difficult. And I think, frankly, that uh, unfortunately, a lot of people will end up leaving medicine for a variety of reasons. One being that the burnout, the exhaustion, um, the frustration will just have done them in. Yeah. Um, and that's completely understandable and okay to say that uh, if, you know, if you do. The other being that people will no longer have the empathy for all of their patients, that they 
previously held or that they want to be able to have for everyone who they see. Um, and I see that as being the other very significant challenge that is going to face us, uh, you know, after this starts to wind down. Um, I know for me, that was the thing that I was struggling with that sort of prompted me to write the tweet thread that I wrote because it is, it is hard. It's still hard for me to think that, to, you know, to think like it didn't have to be like this. Right. Um, right. All, everything that we're doing, all the frustration we're facing, our emergency departments being overcrowded, our hospitals being full. It didn't have to be like this. And part of the reason it is like this is because people weren't really willing to listen and to do their part and to take consideration of, you know, they're of us, of their neighbors, etc. Um, for me, the way that I plan on moving forward, and I do plan on staying is that I, you know, just, just double down and, and reach in deep into that sort of well of compassion that I think we all have in healthcare, and um, sure. really try and, you know, extend our best towards everyone um and and if that means sort of like being a little bit blind or oblivious to the fact that people may have otherwise otherwise ignored us um then so be it as long as we can do the job that we signed up to do um you know i it, it's not it's not dissimilar from treating patients who come in with swastikas who you know at some point, if they truly held those beliefs, truly didn't want you to be alive yeah. um, and wanted you dead and and you still treat them all the same. So I don't know. Uh, I think that's hard. And I, like I said, I think that's going to be a reason that some people leave, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. One, one more. <laughs> One more, um, this is not a question, but a comment. And there was a couple like this. So I figured I'd read at least one. Tina Brooks, Autistic Witch, witch Richer Than Trump. <laughs> That's an interesting title. <laughs> At Pepperfire just wants us to say, uh, or asks us, please say thank you. So uh, I do want to say thank you. I want to thank you, say thank you because of your work in the ER and what you've been doing this last year and your advocacy. Um, I know you've trained in that and it's really nice to see you doing it on, I think, multiple levels. Um, and we really appreciate the work you're doing. We're really happy that uh, the vaccines have come out. We hope you've got yours. First got dose. Mine. I'm a, I'm a weekend now. Fantastic. And nice. Looking forward to round two. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, man. We really appreciate you coming on. It, it was nice to finally get you on. I know we've been talking about doing it for a while. Can you tell people and listeners where to follow you or to find you? You can find me on Twitter is my main um, social media, uh, T Nichols MD. All right, man. Hey, thank you so much. Thank That's you. Go Sacramento. Thank you both. Go Sacramento. <laughs> thank you both. Stay safe and be well. I appreciate hey. it. We can talk about Sacramento. Sacramento, grab represent. I feel like it needs a little bit of love. Because yeah. you, you know what it is? Like my, my San Francisco friends, they just don't get it. Like when I tell them how cool Sacramento is, they think I'm crazy. And I'm like, but it's a really fucking dope. Because you know why? In San Francisco, it's like, you don't live in San Francisco, you. You know? And it's like, even in San Francisco, it's like, you live in that neighborhood, you. Right, right. Oh, you live in that part of that neighborhood, you. What you're saying is you snobby. That side of this, it's so snobby. snobby. So yeah. snobby. 
but it's the only <laughs> trade I have to go on my cling to it. See, Kaveh, I told you he wasn't circumcised. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified health care provider for your specific health care needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.